And may I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please do take a seat, my friends. So today, we hear the story of Jesus' baptism and his temptation out there in the desert. The passage, of course, is so very fitting for Lent. I mean, it would be, it was chosen for this. <laughs> but it's also, Lent is a time of reflection, repentance, preparation for that ultimate sacrifice upon the cross. Many of us gathered in this room today, if not all of us, are baptised. If not, I do urge you to consider it. Grab me for a chat afterwards, if it's something you've ever thought of. I don't bite, I promise, unless you ask. But in his baptism, Jesus is affirmed by God as his beloved son. And often, we focus on this. This is the part of this story we look at, and rightly so. And then we go on, and we, we focus on the other parts of Jesus' life, the wedding at Cana, the ministry, the miracles, the resurrection. These are all wonderful things, and we absolutely should be focusing on them. But this moment, this beginning, it can kind of get lost in the shuffle, just a little bit. But this marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus' journey arguably begins at this moment. As Lent has not long just begun for us. Baptism, if I could dwell on that for just a moment. Baptism is a symbol of salvation. It's not just the physical act of being, being sprinkled with some water, or in my case getting doused. Ask me the story sometime, I will absolutely tell it to you. But it's, it's a spiritual symbol of our new life with Christ. Just as Noah and his family in the Old Testament were saved through the waters of the flood, so too are we saved through the healing waters of baptism. It's a public declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's also a public declaration of our commitment to follow him, wherever that path may lead us. Speaking of paths, Jesus in the Jordan, John the Baptist ducks him. He's the Baptist, of course he does. John the Baptist ducks him, pulls him up. Jesus gets anointed with the Spirit. Brilliant. What happens next? He gets told, walk into the wilderness for 40 days. I want to see if you're really, see what you're made of. And so he goes out there to be tested by the devil. Years ago, when my faith was still almost in an embryonic form, an atheist asked me, why did, if God's all loving, why did he take Jesus into the desert just to tempt him? Why did he put him through that? You've seen how people look after they don't eat for a few days. Why would he do that to him? My answer was this, which I was actually quite proud of at the time. I used the example of a fire extinguisher. You see, fire extinguishers, they're great things to have. We pray we never need them, but they're great things to have. Should the need arise for a fire extinguisher, it's better to have it and not need it. From time to time, fire extinguishers, they need to be tested, just to make sure they're still working. If it doesn't work when we need it to, we can have a real bad day. The same is true with our faith. And this is going to be the most controversial thing I've said in my young career, so bear with me. A faith that's never tested 
can become brittle. I'll tell you a story about Bob. Bob was a Christian. Well, he came to church anyway. But Bob, Bob's real passion was driving. Bob loved to drive. And one day, Bob had a bit of a turn. He was at home. He had his wife one side of him, his daughter the other, but Bob had a bit of a turn. Blacked out. Now, he sat there, sat on the sofa, and blacked out. Of course, Bob went to the doctors, as any of us would. The doctor, not being entirely sure what's going on, decides to tell Bob he can't drive for six months. Bob goes home. Bob's resentful. He starts to blame God. He starts to say, well, where was God when I blacked out, huh? What Bob didn't look at was that God was there. Bob could have been doing 70 down a dual carriageway. Bob could have hit a family of four and wiped them all out. Bob could have mounted the pavement in Cardiff City Centre. As it happens, Bob was sat on the sofa with his wife one side of him and his daughter the other. My point in this, my friends, is that sometimes when we're in the desert of temptation, when we're in the desert of our lives, all too often we focus on what we want, not what we need. This is where Jesus lives. This is what he deals in. What we need. We need salvation. We need to know that we're walked alongside. We need remission from our sins and forgiveness. We want to be naughty. It's a given. We want to do the things that make us feel good. Because we're creatures of habit. We're creatures of comfort. And of course some people may not spend as long as Jesus did in the desert. But make no mistake my friends. Each and every single person in this room has. Most likely will. At some point had to walk through the desert. And when these moments come. Like a fire. It's better to have the fire extinguisher to hand that works. It's better to have the faith at hand that is robust solid that reliance on God we can pull the pin on it we can depress the lever and the trouble goes away the period of testing it serves as a reminder of those spiritual battles that we face in our own lives just as Jesus faced temptation in the desert and he was tempted the Bible tells us when Satan shows him all these wonderful things he could have, just for a brief moment, so like 0.04 of a second, Jesus thinks, you know what, it's not a bad idea. And then all of a sudden, nah, hang on a minute. I believe, I think it's Star Trek Generations, when Data tells Captain Picard he was tempted by the Borg's offer. And Captain Picard asks him how long, and he said something like 0.04 of a second. And then you realise he's actually never really tempted at all. Same thing through Jesus. It's a flicker, it's gone. There you go, that's the one. <laughs> I knew it was one of them. When we face those temptations every single day, some of us are tempted by the flesh. Happens less and less at my time of life. <laughs> but it's true. Some of us are tempted by the flesh. Some of us are tempted by the desire to accumulate wealth selfishly. And then... Then there's arguably the most insidious of temptations. The one that we do not ever see coming until it is far, far too late. The temptation of ourselves. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the Keanu Reeves movie, Devil's Advocate. In it, Al Pacino plays Satan. 
And there's a line at the end that always makes me think. It was like a sledgehammer to the eyes when I first saw it. Pacino breaks the fourth wall. He looks directly at the camera and he says, Vanity, definitely my favourite sin. History is replete with examples of men and women who have fallen to the temptation of themselves. When I was writing this, the first one that came to my mind was General George Armstrong Custer of the Airborne, I don't know the Airborne at the time, but it was the 101st Cavalry in the United States during the uh, wars with the uh, Red Indians. Custer read all these things about himself, being a brilliant tactician, him being bulletproof, immortal, and he fell in love with his own legend, and in the end his troopers died for it. To fall in love with our own legend is something that is oh so very dangerous. And none of us are immune to this. Not one of us. There's a fine line between backing yourself. I know I'm a bloody good preacher. I know I am. I enjoy it. But you've got to know your strengths. And then you've got to say, you know what? This is as far as I go. After this, this is all God. Being seduced into arrogance, into pride, it's oh so easy. There's bigger and better clergymen than me that have fallen to this. I'm naming no names. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave your minds up to that one. But not even, it's not even us. You put one of these on. You, all of a sudden you think, oh, wow, I'm bulletproof. I'm George Armstrong Custer. No, you're not. It just gets worse. Because all of a sudden you have captive audiences. All of a sudden you have people out there opening doors for you. Schools beckon you in. People hand you money for the collection. Because they think you're trustworthy. Make no mistake. <laughs> In life, temptation comes and temptation goes. But the temptation of ourselves, it's also worse. Our talents, those things that we do well, they're gifts from God. The second we lose sight of this, we've already fallen. And so I suppose the question remains. How do we use the talents God gives us? How do we use the gifts God gives us? Without... Letting that little voice that goes, it's not God, it's all us, let's do it. Take over. I can't say I know for sure, but I can tell you what works for me. Remember who gave them to us. Remember why we have them. Use them to uphold the gospel everywhere you go. Like Jesus in the desert, rely on God. Remember the talents we have are a gift from our almighty father and we should use them for him. That path we agree to walk during our baptism, that path with Jesus, will sometimes lead us into the deserts of our lives. And that's understandable. Jesus never said the path would be easy. Remember, though, my friends, when, we, when our paths lead us into the desert, remember who is walking alongside us. Remember who is at our sides during this time of hardship and temptation. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we continue our journey into Lent, all I can do is offer you the words that we heard in the Gospel. Jesus' words, when he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Not one of us gets out of this desert unscathed. Not one of us gets out of this desert without a couple of scars. Not one of us. That's a fact. Every single person in this room will pick up a scar, a splinter in the desert, however much we try. 
At that moment, remember those words, repent and believe in the gospel. Because the very gift of Easter, the very gift of Easter is that joy, that remission of sins, that cleansing. And something I say also very often, you've probably heard me say it more than once. It'll probably end up being on my bloody tombstone, to be honest. But what I say is, it was never meant to be easy, but it would always be worth it. This is what Jesus tells us himself. He says, he never says it'll be easy. He says, I'll be with you. So when we find ourselves, my friends, wandering that desert, whatever that landscape looks like, however far we've got left to go, however far we've come, Whatever dangers we're walking through, whatever scars we've already picked up, however many times you've had to stop and say, Lord, help me, I can't do this no more. Remember, there was a promise, a reassurance made to us by someone who could probably have put this far better than me. Jesus himself gave us these words, and these are what I'm going to leave you with today. I am with you, always. Amen.